the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the concept of born again was not new to people in the time of Jesus. In fact, when a person from another faith chose to become Jewish uh, and was accepted into Judaism by prayer, sacrifice, and baptizing, he was regarded as being reborn. Being born again, there's a lot of confusion about that phrase, isn't there? Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno is going to help us better understand today on the broadcast that teaching. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno called Study Verse by Verse. And I'm Mike Trout. You can find out more about us on the web at studyversebyverse.com. We're listener-supported, and I know most of you understand what that means. And you can find out how you can join with us when you go to the website. And now, continuing in the book of John, the third chapter, here's Pastor Layton. So, to be born again, or born anew, is to undergo such a radical change that it's described as being a new birth. It's to have something happen to the soul that is so incredible that it's like having a brand new beginning, being an entirely different person. And the whole process is not a human achievement or by based on human efforts, but rather it comes from the grace and the power of God. Now think about the impact of those words on Nicodemus. It must have been absolutely staggering for him. This was a man who had spent all of his life observing every nuance of the law, all of the rituals of Judaism. He's one of the ultra-religious Pharisees. He was even a leader, a member of the Sanhedrin. And now Jesus was calling him to forsake all of that and start all over again, to abandon all of his efforts at self-righteous works in which he had placed his hope, and to realize that any human effort was powerless to save. Jesus was telling him that entrance to God's salvation was not a matter of human effort. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now let's start with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven because kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably in the New Testament. They mean the same thing. But what does that mean? Well, it is characteristic of Jewish style to say things twice. And the second way is a way of explaining and amplifying the first. The best definition that we have of the kingdom of God is found in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever wondered how God's will is done in heaven? Instantly and perfectly, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the definition of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is where God's will is as perfectly done on earth as it is in heaven. 
To be part of God's kingdom is therefore to live a life that is willingly submitted to everything of the will of God. Now, it's quite obvious that we can't do that in our own strength. We cannot render perfect obedience. But when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our sin is dealt with and the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. We become a temple, an abiding place for the Holy Spirit of God who gives us the ability and the power to overcome sin and live a life pleasing to God. And when we fail and when we make mistakes, and we will and we do, then God cleanses us again and again and again. Now, water and spirit. There have been a lot of explanation about the phrasing water and spirit. But remember who Jesus was talking to. He was talking to Nicodemus, who was an Old Testament scholar. And so when Jesus would use these words, there would be Old Testament concepts and Old Testament passages that immediately would come to Nicodemus' mind. One of those passages, no doubt, would have been Ezekiel chapter 36. God spoke through his prophet saying, For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. This is a, a passage that would have come to Nicodemus' mind. So water is the symbol of cleansing. And Jesus Christ comes in as our Lord and Savior. He cleanses us from sin. And the Spirit is the symbol of God's power in our life. If we didn't have the Spirit, God could cleanse us and we just go right back to our old habits and we'd be in the same shape or worse as we were before. But because God's Spirit comes within us, there is a process of cleansing and sanctification that takes place in our lives. It's God's Spirit that enables us to overcome sin's dominion. Not sin, not every part of sin, but at least sin's dominion over us. So water and Spirit stand for the cleansing and the strengthening that is ours in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now look at your scriptures, and you'll find that the first word, spirit, is capitalized, right? And whenever the word spirit is capitalized, it is a reference to the Holy Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Holy Spirit of God is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so the author here lays down for this, this great principle that that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The efforts of the flesh cannot produce life in the Spirit. Only God can produce life in the Spirit. So it's holy a work of God is not the result of any kind of human efforts. Now, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, and it has two meanings. It means spirit, and it also means wind. And that's also true for the Hebrew word ruach, which has the same two meanings, spirit and wind. So Jesus said to Nicodemus, 
You can hear and see and feel the wind, pneuma, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going to. You may not understand how or why the wind blows, but you can see what it does. The Spirit is the same. The Holy Spirit is the same. You, you may not know how the Holy Spirit works, but you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit in human lives. You may not understand how the Spirit is at work, but the effect of the Holy Spirit on the lives of men is evident for all to see. The best argument for Christianity is a Christ-like life. A life that has been transformed by the power of God's word, God's spirit. No man can discount a faith which is able to make bad people good. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. What John is addressing here is the questions that some people might have. What right does Jesus have to say these things? What guarantee do we have that what he is saying is true? And the answer that John gives is it's very simple. Jesus came down from heaven. He's been there. He has seen it. He knows God. He knows the truth. He has come to reveal that to us. He came to accomplish that, reveal that to us, to go to Calvary's cross, pay the wages of our sin, rise from the grave, and then return to his glory. So he can speak about things of heaven because he's been there. No man has ascended into heaven, but he has come down from heaven. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Throughout this gospel, the author insists upon the heavenly origin of Jesus, and it's that origin that makes Jesus unique from the rest of humanity. Now, if a person believes that Jesus is merely another person, merely a man, then his opinions have no more validity, no more weight, no more importance than any other person. It's just the opinion of another person. But if we believe that Jesus is God, then his opinion is far and above and beyond and more important than any other opinion. And when I use the word opinion, I'm talking not only about opinions, I'm talking about wisdom, I'm talking about standards of good and bad, right and wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm encapsulating all of that in the word opinion. And that's one of the reasons why we at Highlands, when asked, say there's really only one opinion that matters, and that's God's opinion. And God has given us his opinions, his perspectives in his holy word. And that's why we study it together. Amen. Amen. Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us your word and you have given us your spirit. We don't have to guess about 
the really important questions of life because you've given us all the answers we need to know. We thank you, Lord, for your word that gives us clarity. We thank you for your spirit that uh, is the seal of our salvation, that empowers us to live lives that are pleasing to you. We are so thankful, Lord, that when we fail, that you are so quick to forgive us when we confess our sins, that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Lord, for your great love and provision for us, not only in time, but throughout eternity. May you be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Yes, Amen. Well, we've wrapped up another message in this series from the book of John, featuring the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. This is Study Verse by Verse, a broadcast outreach from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. The church's website is highlands.us, and you can find out all about the worship times and the ministries that are active at this time when you go to that website. Again, that's highlands.us. And if you'd like to join with us as a financial partner, you can give safely on the website. All the details are right there. Again, highlands.us. Have a blessed rest of your day and join us tomorrow when we come back with uh, the Tuesday edition of our program and study verse by verse. I'm Mike Trout, and this broadcast is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.